listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So, we're still in our Ephesians study. However, we're not going to be in Ephesians today. And I'm going to tell you why. Because last week in our study of Ephesians, we went backwards to where we kind of left off because kids were in the room and we didn't want to talk about things that would uh, cause you to have conversations you didn't want to have to have going home from church. And so last week, we picked up in uh, chapter number five where Paul is encouraging the believers at Ephesus, the followers of Jesus, to recognize that there is no place in the church There is no place in the body for sexual immorality or any kind of of impurity, those things that that we know are, are, are bad and we would want to avoid these things. These sinful practices and greed, which basically is just idolatry. And we learned last week that Paul says that ought not be even named among us. And so we called one another to look at our life and recognize those areas if there are, or recognize areas that we have kind of become soft in allowing things to sort of happen and our unwillingness to come alongside our brothers and sisters and say, you know, that's not okay if you're a follower of Jesus. So we encourage one another in that. Following the message, I had a question proposed to me. And the question went something like this. Well, Pastor Kevin, what happens when you do blow it and you do find yourself in sin and you repent And then all of the Christian brothers and sisters that you thought you had have abandoned you. They've written you off. Well, then what? And I thought, you know, that's a really, really good question. And I'm going to tell you why it's a good question. Because we've all blown it. At some point in some area of life, and and I apologize if I'm throwing a stone at your glass house, but it's got to come crumbling down at some point because we've all blown it. Every one of us as followers of Jesus, what, what happens before Christ, well, that's just dead in sin. We're not talking about that. We're talking about as followers of Jesus, we've blown it. Well, then what? Are we just finished? Is God done with us? Does that, does that mean that we're no longer going to be useful to him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God provides gracious restoration that comes first from him and then by answer to his call, our community. So we just want to focus today on what about when we blow it. When Christians blow it, when they fall into sin, either either something over a period of time, a path that we followed over a period of time, or if it's just those, those 
matter of the moment, I, I wasn't really thinking about falling into this sin and, and the opportunity was there and I was weak and boom, now I've just, I've blown it. When Christians blow it, understand a few prerequisites. And these are things that I'm not going to defend in this sermon, but I would be happy to defend if you would like me to at a later date. But here's some prerequisites. When Christians blow it, our sin, number one, is against God. Our sin, when we blow it, while it might be to a brother, while it might be toward a sister, our sin is in actuality against our creator and redeemer who's given us new life, As his child, we have acted in rebellion against him, even if we weren't thinking about it being against God. Our sin is against God. And when we sin, our fellowship is broken between our God and and us. Not, Not our relationship. We're his children because of what Christ has done for us. But our fellowship sure is broken because we have gone contrary to him and we have allowed sin to enter into that space that he has given us freedom from. And so now our fellowship is broken. There's a, a coldness that we sense, not because God is not there, but because we have broken or violated his standard. When Christian blow it, our sin not only is against God, but our sin hurts and breaks the trust of those who love us. When we blow it, most of the time there is a brokenness between ourselves and those who love us. Sometimes our sin is actually in the face of those who love us. We have violated a trust of that one or of those that have counted and love us. So when we sin, our sin is primarily and functionally against our God, but it brings hurt and pain to those who love us. And the closer relationship you are to the one who has committed the sin, the more it hurts. And so I'm not telling you anything you don't know because you've blown it in some way, shape, or form, and it has hurt those you love. And you've had it blown by someone you love, and you've felt the hurt that comes along with it. But our sin has an even greater impact. Our sin not only is a, a violation of our, of, of, of our, our union with Christ, it's, it hurts those that love us most, but our sin disappoints those who know us at least and expect more from us. You've heard something this week about somebody that you don't know personally. You wouldn't know if they came into contact. You wouldn't be able to say, hey, you remember me? Because you've never met. You've never uh, had an opportunity to build a friendship with this person. But you know who they are. And you just simply expect more out of them because of their faith in Jesus. You would have never imagined that that would happen in their life. That's happened probably this week. If not this week, you can think of, most likely, someone that you've highly respected or someone that you you were around and they've taken a path that is sin and you've just been deflated. Like, really? 
I just expected more out of you. Sin has a great effect on our fellowship with God, our relationship with one another, and it breaks the trust. It, it foils the expectations of those watching along. But can I tell you something? Restoration is available. Restoration is available. Right now, what you see is a, a heaping mess. I'm thinking of the one that has, has just transpired in the last couple of weeks in an arena that I'm familiar with, with somebody I don't know, but I just expected more. And it's unfolded, and it's heinous, and it's gross, and right now it just makes me mad. I'm just angry about it. But can I tell you something? Restoration is available. And restoration is possible for any mess. Now think about the worst thing you can imagine that's broken the, 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 the trust of those who know them and, and hurt as many folks as they knew. And say to yourself, could God restore that one? The answer is absolutely yes. God can bring restoration to the biggest mess that one can create. The way is made by the cross to restoration. And it is paved with the blood of Jesus. The same blood of Jesus Christ that saves us from the death that we exist in of sin is the same blood of Jesus. The same grace that saves us from death can restore us from the worst of brokenness. And that's good news because we've all blown it. Now, I'm going to talk about the way of, of restoration. And, and primarily, it's in response to the question, well, what if I've blown it, but I've, I've tried to get it right with God, and my, my folks that, that, that I've broken trust with, well, they've, they've written me off and they've abandoned me. What then? And I'm going to get to that. It's going to take us all the way to the end to get to that. But we will address that question. But before we can even address that question, we've got to ask what is the way of restoration? You've blown it, Christian. You have done what you never would have imagined that you would have done. And you've hurt those around you and you've disappointed everybody who knows about you. You know your fellowship with God is broken and you're just sitting in the mess that you've made. I'm going to give you the way of restoration. I'm going to walk you down that road. To do that, I went through the scripture and I, I said, okay, Lord, who are the folks that have blown it in your word? And you know what I discovered? The answer to that question was all of them. I mean, they've all blown it, right? Okay, so I couldn't do that. Except for Christ, everybody's blown it. Nobody has a clean track record. Even those that you have only heard the good stuff about them have got issues and they've blown it. It's just not been written down. 
Okay, so Lord, who would you have me to utilize as we talk about the truth that is restoration from you and then within the community? And I landed on four. I would imagine you know the first one that, that we're going to just, just kind of look at a little bit. And, and it was one of the most famous Bible characters of all, the greatest of all of Israel's kings. His name was David. We see in the story of David sexual immorality, murder, which can we all agree when it comes to impurity, murder fits there up at the top of the list. So sexual immorality, murder, and deception, all in the one who had the, the, the heart after God. So we see in David brokenness. And I see in David, if you read the stories, 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and 12 give you the primary act of his sin. But then every chapter that follows all the way to chapter number 24 to the end of 2 Samuel shows you the consequences. So we see David, someone who blew it and someone who experienced ongoing consequences of his sin. But then there was another that I thought of that, that we'll highlight a little. And it's the story of Peter. Well, you know Peter. He was, he was the big mouth disciple that, that bragged about the fact that if everyone else leaves you, Jesus, I'll stand with you. And Jesus looks at him and says, before the night is over, you're going to deny knowing me three times. You're going you're gonna to absolutely deny that you even know who I am. And, and you're saying that you'll follow me to whatever end. You find that in uh, John chapter number eight, 18 where Peter encounters some folks after Jesus is arrested who try to pin Jesus on him. You were with him. I've seen you. You're from Galilee. You're one of his disciples. And you know what he did. I don't know him. I said I don't know him. Blankety blank blank. I don't know him. And what happened? The rooster crows, and what Jesus said would happen, have I see in Peter the denial of Jesus. Can it get more impure than that? The denial of even knowing him. And, and I see in Peter, like David had consequences, I see in Peter great despair. If you've blown it, you know, Jesus as your Savior, you've experienced the despair that comes with the sin. You've felt the consequences that come with the sin. I saw also a parable that Jesus told. A great parable, actually. It was the third in a series of parables. He told about a lost coin. He talked about a lost sheep. And then he talked about a lost son. We don't know what his name is, but we call him the prodigal son who, who took from his father, who dishonored him, he disrespected him, and he took what was not yet his, and he went and he blew it on licentiousness. I mean, he just burned the town up with his wicked living. And I see in this one in Luke chapter number 15, when he decides to come home, when he decides to try to make it white, the, the rejection of his brother. The one who was unwilling to see past what he had done. 
If you've ever blown it, you know you've broken trust, and you know that there are some that still don't want to have anything to do with you. And then the last one I saw, a fellow by the name of John Mark. He's an obscure character in the book of Acts. He's a young man who goes on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And while they're on the first couple of legs of their journey, John Mark gets discouraged or he gets scared or he gets homesick. Whatever it was that happened, we're told that John Mark in Acts chapter number 13 just leaves his ministry commitment. No doubt they were counting on him for some aspect of the ministry some, some aspect of, uh, of, of life that they were trusting in him. And he just goes, you know what, guys? I'm out of here. And he leaves them holding the bag. He abandons his ministry commitment. I see in Mark this disqualified fella for ministry. He was on his way. But then he blew it. And he was disqualified because when Paul was presented with the opportunity of hiring John Mark again. He was so against it in Acts chapter 15. He was so much against this that he came to to this volatile argument with Barnabas, and they decided we had better just go our separate ways because I ain't taking that boy with me. Disqualified, cast to the side. So we're going to look at these, and, and I would encourage you, as you have chance, go back and read and hear the stories of David, Peter, the prodigal, John Mark. We're going to highlight these. As we talk about the way to restoration, can these be restored? Can David, after all that he did, be restored? Can, can Peter, I mean, Peter denied the Lord. Can he be restored? This prodigal, he blew it and blew half of the fortune that his father had building for him in the future. Can he be restored? What about this fellow that just walked away from his post, left him holding the back. Can he be restored? Absolutely. But there's a way of restoration, and let's look at it. Step number one in the way of restoration, there's, that's three fingers, but there's four steps. Step number one, repentance. When you blow it, and you're sitting in the rubble of the mess that you have created, the first step is the hardest. It's the step that we try to bypass the most. We sin, we've hurt, we're broken in our fellowship, and we think after a while things will smooth over. After a while, everybody messes up. After a while, we'll just go back to normal. Because you know, Pastor Kevin, when the boat goes by, those first waves are pretty big, and it rocks the dock pretty good. But the second wave, not as much, and the third, not as much. And eventually, after enough time passes, the dock eventually is calm again. So I'm just going to give this thing time and everybody will get over and we'll just get back to normal. And that's not the way of restoration. You cannot be restored from the sin that you've blown it by without repentance. What is repentance? Repentance 
technically is a term that means a change of mind. It means you've changed your mind about something. But in both the Old and New Testament, this word that is translated repentance often refers to a turning, a returning, a recognition of where I'm at and making a decision to turn in a different direction. It is recognizing that I am in a mess that I have caused and repentance is the recognition and the taking of action to turn away from the sin that I have committed or have made a pattern of committing. Repentance, it's taking ownership. It's taking ownership and turning from the sin and in brokenness desiring to restore and repair. Uh, Some of y'all will remember, uh, it, it actually was one of the most awesome days in this ministry. Uh, a young couple that, that attended here before, some of y'all were here, they attended here before, they were seeing one another, they were dating, and then, you know, it, it came out, they came to me and said, Pastor Kevin, we need to tell you something. Okay, what's up? Uh, well, I'm pregnant. And, and they were broken. And, and, and they were of the mindset of, well, we just need to back away from everybody until the baby's born because we don't want to bring shame to the church. And, and, and they talked about it, and I go, you know what? I understand what you're saying, but that's not the way to go about this. That's not what you do. That's, that's just that's the old way of if something happened in your family or you did something that, that might bring shame on your family and all of a sudden you got sent off to live with your aunt in another state. Why? Because you didn't want to bring shame to the family. Let's let the waves die down and we'll bring you back when everything's smooth. No, that ain't repentance. They said, well, what will we do? And I said, here's what I tell you we ought to do. I th- have you confessed this to the Lord? And they said, absolutely, we've, taught, we've prayed and we, we recognize this was sin and, you know, but it is what it is. And I go, I know. Then here's what I think we ought to do. I think we ought to give you the opportunity. I'm not telling you have to do this. I'm not saying that this is forced upon you, but I would recommend that let's just face this head on. Now, what does that mean? I said, you're not going to like this, but here's what, I would, here's what I would recommend. I would recommend at the close of the service, this, this coming week, I recommend that you just say, hey, Pastor Kevin, can we tell the body something? I was like, oh, and they were like, okay, what's that going to look like? I said, look like you come forward, and, and I'm going to stand there with you, one on either side, and put my arm around you, just like this right here. I'm going to give you the microphone, and I'm going to let you tell that. I'm going to let you own it. And they were like, okay, that's kind of scary. And I went, yeah, but you know what? When you own it, they're obligated to forgive you. And it's out in the open, and now the only thing that people can say is gossip. Because once you've owned it, once you've admitted, once you've brought it out and said, we, we are sorry, we're sorry, for, then it can't be held against you unless it's sin on their part. And they were like, that scares me. And I go, I know. But that, own it. You own it. What else can you do with it? And that's what they did. That next Sunday morning, they came down. Say, oh, here. It was, you say, Kevin, that's, how is that an awesome day? They were talking about sin. What? Have you met that little girl? She is some more pistol. But now, that day on either side, these guys that blew it, they, they, weren't, they, weren't, being, they weren't being treated cruelly. 
I didn't tell them to get up and, and admit your sin. You so No, I said, let's own this thing. Let's just get it out there and say, this is what it is. We are sorry. We are changing our ways. And, and listen, we ask God to forgive, and we're asking you to forgive us. We need your grace and forget. And that's what they did. And you know what the body did? They were like, absolutely, we forgive y'all. Whereas, no, you better believe we forgive. You know why they did that? I kidded with the couple. I said, they're going to forgive you. You know how I know they're going to forgive you? They said, how you know? I said, because I'm going to tell them to. But it didn't take that. You know, I, I was just kidding. I just was, I was trying to get them to understand it's going to happen. You know why we're willing to, amen, yes, let's forgive them? Because we've blown it. And they're standing there, and we're just imagining ourselves, maybe not that situation, but we're imagining ourselves going, yeah, I probably should have done that at some point in my life too. Repentance. We repent of our sins first to God where we find instant forgiveness and complete restoration. There's two arenas where repentance works. Let's deal with the first one. You remember when I said that our sin is primarily a, 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 a violation of God's standard? When we repent of our sin... When we own it, the scripture also talks about confession. It's not just telling God you sinned. He knows that. Confession and repentance are the idea of saying, God, I realize that what I have done is a violation of your holiness and my relationship with you. And I recognize that it was a high-handed act and it has brought shame on you and it has caused uh, me to be uh, uh, changed in the eyes of others and, and I've, my reputation is darkened now and I know that I have really done a bad thing. God, I'm so sorry that I've done this. That's confession. That's repentance. And God knows your heart. You can't blow smoke to God because he sees through it. We can blow smoke to one another. We can do something and we can go, hey, man, I'm really sorry about that. What we're saying to some folks is, I'm sorry that you found out that I said that or I did that. I'm sorry that our friendship is broken because of the thing that I did, but not really I really meant what I said. I'm sorry you found out that way because now I know I hurt you and I want that to be different. No, repentance is I realized that what I did was wrong. It was sin. God, I'm, I'm confessing what you say about what I have done. It was not a mistake. It was not a mishap. It was not a blunder. God, it was sin. You see this lived out in David's life in Psalm chapter 51. Go back and read when you have a chance Psalm 51. David's not saying, God, I've, I've kind of messed up, so if you can just, you know, wash me and clean me. No. David says, have mercy on me, God, because my sin is ever before me. My transgression has brought shame on you. My iniquity is as high as can be stacked. I mean, in the first couple of verses, he talks about his sin and his transgression. His Wash me, God. I am filthy. I'm dirty. My bones are broken because of what I have done to you. And you know what he had done? He had taken a woman that wasn't his, and they were going to have a baby, and he had killed her husband to try to cover it up, and he had lied to everybody in the nation. 
It's a pretty big deal, and David's not trying to cover it up anymore. He's just saying, God, I have blown it royally. When God sees our heart and we come to him in repentance, he forgives and completely restores immediately. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, you know this verse, if we confess our sin, not just tell God what he already knows, if we bring our sin in brokenness, hat in hand, in humility, admitting our transgression, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. You can count on it to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from A-L-L. All unrighteousness. You pick the mess. You show me the fallout, and I'll show you something that God is willing, just, and faithful to cleanse. Because with God, forgiveness and restoration happens instantly. It's seen best in the prodigal son story in Luke chapter number 15, verses 20 to 24. And he arose, talking about the prodigal son, he arose from the pig pen where where his licentious living had led him to the pig pen. Now he's broke and starving and he came to himself, meaning he realized what a mess he had made. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, What does it say? His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate it for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate listen when you blow it and you will maybe you have And you're sitting in the mess even today, smiling and dressed and thinking everybody is unaware, but you know in your heart the mess you're sitting in. Listen to me. Restoration is available. You don't have to keep trying to hide it. You don't have to live in the junk and the and the and the woe and the dirtiness that you're living in. If you'll just turn to the Father and you'll say, God. I've blown it. The Father will run to you. You don't knock and have your God say, sit out there on the porch for a little while and think about what you've done. He says, get in here. And instantly, you are restored, forgiven, cleansed so so he 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 undoes the mess and 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 he and he makes it back the way it used to be Uh uh-uh ain't gonna be like it used to be but let me tell you what he does do in 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 the aftermath of his embracing you 
and, and greeting you and restoring you while you're getting your robe and ring and shoes and, and getting ready for the meal. He brings the mess and he begins to refashion the mess. And, and he tells us, now look, this is still what it is, right? You realize this is not a good thing, right? No, 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 sir, it's not a good thing. Okay. You realize that this brought shame on your name as my child, and it brought hurt and devastation to others. Yes, sir, I understand it. Okay, but, but here's the good news. Jesus died for this, and his blood mixed in with all of this is going to be a part of your story. Now, I'm not handing you this mess for you to walk around with a, with a head held high, or head held low in shame and despair, having to carry this scarlet letter. I'm not doing that. And I'm also not giving it to you to walk around and, and excited about what I've, look what I've done, and yet I'm still in the family. You can do whatever you want, and God will bring you back. Neither of those two extremes. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold that thing tightly, and I want you to own it for the rest of your life, but I want you to use this as a testimony of my grace. And I want you to step out boldly, know that you're right with me, even though you've blown it, but this mess is going to be a part of my story in your life from here on out. And we go, yes, sir. And we carry that not with shame. We carry that not with pride. We carry that with the glory of Christ enveloped in it. And we tell people about the woes of sin. We tell people about the dangers of being at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong folks. But we tell them about the God who won't leave them in the ditch. But will bring them home and clean them up and make them right with him repentance there's no way around it but when we step into it there's restoration immediately and instantly with our god but i told you there's two arenas there's the repentance that we give to our god and there's the repentance that we must provide to those we've hurt so often, people have messed up, and they embrace the fact that God forgives, and God forgives completely. And then they expect everyone else to be God. They expect everyone else to just deny their hurt. They expect for them just to brush it off because, you know, God is willing to restore, so forgive, and I need you to just do the same thing right now. I want you to put me, I need to be back in your embrace right now. And look, at the end of the day, none of us are God. We hurt. We feel pain sometimes very, very deeply. The step of restoration to those that have that have been hurt by us also demands repentance. Not an apology. It's more than that. Not admitting that you made a mistake and you know everybody does. No, it's more than that. 
Repentance. Owning what you have done. Owning how it has hurt them. Owning that they are forever changed as a result of your actions. You cannot undo it. You cannot make it where it didn't happen. I just want, Pastor Kevin, I just want things to go back to the way they used to be. They'll never be the way they used to be. But they can move toward restoration even with those we have hurt. Some of you in here have been hurt by people. And they have exercised true and genuine repentance. And you could give testimony right now where you could say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I just want to stand and say, I never would have thought that we could have been restored in our relationship because of what they have done. But you know what? By God's grace and his ability, he has restored us. I'm telling you, that's not a story without their repentance. And you can say, I've blown it and I've made a mess and I've been restored and received by my family and my loved ones and they've taken me back in. And God, I just want want to praise you for what these folks have done. I'm telling you, it didn't happen without repentance. Because brokenness is a part of the way. But just as brokenness is received by God immediately, brokenness and repentance is commanded to be seen and received by brothers and sisters in Jesus. It just might not happen as fast as instantaneous. So what then? Three more steps. Number one, or number two, accountability. Accountability is something that God knows we need because he's put us in community and he's told us that we can't flourish as his children. We can't flourish uh, as, as his witnesses in isolation. Now, there'll be many times that we're by ourselves and there's nothing we can do about it. But that cannot be our, our go-to. He's put us in community because he knows we need one another. And he knows that it's his desire to operate within us instead of in individuals. He puts us together so that we work together and we're not limited by our weakness and we don't get a big head by our strengths and we put together pieces and and parts so that we work as a body and he puts us together and there's in that accountability. But when we blow it, one step toward being restored to those we have hurt is intentional accountability. So I have blown it. I have committed uh, adultery on my wife. I have to repent of that. I have to look at her in the eyes and say what I have done. And I've got to call it what God calls it. And then that's a step for her to begin processing what God has called her to do where I'm concerned. Now, I've broken that marriage covenant. 
But I don't believe that there is a brokenness God can't restore if we'll let him. And both parties are willing to do it God's way. But at least the step of repentance says what it is. But then the next thing that she and others are going to have to see in my life is accountability. How am I going to know you're not going to fall right back into that again? Pornography or gambling or, or lying or stealing or whatever it is that you've blown it by. How do we know that you're not going to just drop right back into that same thing intentional accountability putting yourself in the company of brothers or sisters that are going to know you intimately and see you transparently and that you're going to act with vulnerability and humility as a sinner who has blown it and I need you Bob and I need you Ralph and Harry and Steve I need you guys to walk with me and if it had something to do with this I said I'm going to give you my passcode you can come to me anytime get my phone look at it if it had to do with a computer I'm going to give you my computer to look at it had to do with gambling I'm going to give you my online profile. You can come online, check my history, do whatever you want. If it has to do with anything involving other folks, I'm saying walk with me, guys. Hold my feet to the fire. Keep me going in the right direction because I know if I fell into it once, I'll probably fall into it again, but I'm less likely if you're walking with me. Accountability. Accountability tells those that you've hurt she means business. It tells those that that you've broken, he means business. I might not be ready to trust her again. I might not be ready to trust him again. I might not have seen enough, but I at least know that they are moving in a direction intentionally trying to take the right step and trying to avoid future mishaps. Accountability. James, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter number six, verse number one, brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness, accountability with the one who's blown it. We don't shun them. Look, if they're going to walk that way of transgression, we can't walk with them in that direction. If they say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of the church, but I'm going to have an affair with that woman. And there's not anything you can say to me because it's not against the law. We say, uh, God's already said, we ain't walking with you in that direction. You can go that direction. We love you. It's wrong. We want you to turn around. But if you're going to go that way, you're going that way alone. But when they come back, broken and bloody and in a mess, and they go, what now? You know what we do? If, If we follow God's word, we say, come on, we'll walk with you. Have you repented of this to the Lord? I have. Well, I just poured my heart out. Okay, good. You want to tell these folks what happened? I don't know if I'm ready. Okay, well, when you're ready, that's what you need to do. You need to get that out. Let's get it and, and let's talk to them about moving. Have you apologized to your wife? You apologized to your boss for what you stole? Now, have you admitted it? Have you turned it in? Have you paid them back? Have you done? Okay, now let's keep going. You call me every day. I'm going to call you. We're going to meet every other day at breakfast. That's the way forward. You who are spiritual, restore them. Don't cast them away. That's our responsibility. James chapter 5, verse number 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another. It's walking together in transparency and vulnerability and humility. It's accountability. 
Repentance, step number one, you cannot miss it. Accountability, you got to have folks around you who are going to hold you accountable and give you the opportunity to move forward effectively. Step number three, consistency. Consistency. I had a friend who blew it on several occasions. And he looked at me years back. You looked at me years back. He said, he said Kevin, I, I've blown it so bad. Nobody will ever trust me again. And I gave him this illustration. I called him by name and I said, look, you did get off the road and you turned around and you walked backwards about three miles backwards. And you're way behind there and everybody knows it. When you confess this to the Lord, when you repent of it to God, he instantly brings you back to restoration. But you know what you got to do? You got to turn around three miles back and you got to walk this way forward. You got a long way to go and nobody's going to believe you. But here's what I'll do. I'll walk with you. Everybody's going to think you're going to do it again. Nobody will trust you. But here's what I'll do. I'll go back there with you and I'll walk you back with me. When folks say, he ain't, I can say, well, he has for the last half mile. Well, he's not ever going to, well, he's been doing it for the last mile and a half because I've been walking with him. And I said, eventually, you'll make it back to that place where folks will have seen you go this direction longer than they saw you go that direction, and enough time has passed. Time can't happen before repentance. Time can't happen before accountability. But you get repentance right, you get accountability in check. Well, now you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other, one brick on top of the other with folks who love you and are going to stand with you and are going to be cheering you on. And I'm just telling you, eventually enough time will pass where you have been going this direction following Jesus. It will shine louder than the mess you made back there. Consistency. Now think about John Mark. John Mark left the ministry, and, and, and it was in about A.D. 45. He left Paul and Barnabas. Paul was done with him. About 26 years later, Paul is in prison waiting execution. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 11, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's, he's kind of finishing up the letter, and he's like, hey, can you go grab my cloak? Can you bring me the books? Can you get here as soon as you can? Because I don't know how long I've got left. And in verse number 11, he says, Luke, the physician who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he says, Luke alone is with me. Could you get Mark? Wait a minute. Mark was the one that you split up with Barnabas because you didn't trust him anymore. And now it looks like, can you get Mark and bring him with you? For he is very useful to me for ministry. He's like, wait a minute. What is that saying? That's saying repentance, accountability, consistency can restore your reputation to those you hurt the most. Now, that relationship might not be the same. All kinds of factors come into play that may prohibit the relationship to be the way it was. And it's not ever going to be the way it was. But I'm telling you, consistency 
keeping on going that direction will make it impossible for everyone who was finished with you to deny what God is doing in you. And that's about the best you can do. The best you can do is give them no reason to continue to distrust and discredit you because your fruit says it all. But that takes time. How long does that take? As long as it takes. Because that brings me to the last one, and it's, it's the last one. I think it's one of the best points. My friend Justin at the mission, y'all have seen him before. I came in on Tuesday, and I was just sharing with him these three points that I was going to share and intending to, to bring to the congregation. And, and he offered, have you thought about, and he mentioned what is my fourth point, and I think it probably is the strongest as it applies to the question that was asked me. Well, what do you do when you blow it and you repent and you've got accountability and you're trying to build consistency and yet they still have abandoned you and won't have anything to do with you? What then? Point number four on the way to restoration is grace. Grace. What do you want from those that you have hurt? You want grace. You want them to see you through the lens of Jesus and not through the lens of what you've done to hurt them. You want them to see you through grace. And God's called them to do that. That's their responsibility, but they're his child, and you can't do nothing about that. So what do you in turn offer them who are trying to figure out how to do life from now on with you, you offer them grace. You offer them grace to be hurt. And you don't ever change the opinion that you have that you're the one who hurt them. You give them grace to figure this thing out. You give them grace to be sinful and just mad at you and unwilling to do what's right. You give them grace because that's what your heavenly father is currently doing on their behalf. He's given them undeserved favor. While God restores and forgives instantly, it's not the same for those we hurt. Grace is an extension of repentance where we allow others to work through the hurt we caused. Grace gives others time to heal. How long? As long as it takes. Hey, did the prodigal's brother ever come around to being happy he was home? Oh, no. Jesus didn't tell the rest of that story. But you know what he would have called the younger brother to extend to that older guy even in his sin? Grace. Grace. I get it. I was sorry then. I'm sorry today. And I'm going to be sorry for the rest of my life. But I'm going to give you grace. And at some point, they might just be obedient too. And forgive. Grace decides to let God create forgiveness in the hearts of those you hurt instead of demanding it now. One last verse. 
So what do I do, Kevin? I've blown it. Got a long road to go. I I don't know if I'm going to make it. Matthew 6, 33. Now, Jesus said these words when he was talking about, well, what am I going to wear and where am I going to live? Jesus is following you. You don't even have a place to live. And what's it going to look like if I follow you? I'm not going to have a job. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what. Just do this. He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all the rest of it. All these things will be added to you. When you blow it, repentance. When you blow it, accountability. Don't miss it. When you blow it, consistency. One foot in front of the other as long as it takes till Christ returns. When you blow it, grace. Seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Saying, Lord, I can't change the mind, can't change the heart, but here's what I can do. I can follow you. The way of restoration. It's available and it's possible. Can I tell you this? Because God restores us instantly and immediately, when we're made right with him, we have the freedom to move forward. So if you've blown it and you've not repented really and truly, get that handled. If you've not ever walked away from your sin, walk away from it with help. Start building consistency. Start giving grace that you so desperately want. But if you've blown it and you've gone through all the steps and you still feel like a failure, like you're sitting in the mess, that's not how God looks at you. God looks at you as restored. And hey, son, get up. Come on. We got work to do. I got, I got things I want you to do. You got to represent me. Yeah, but God, they don't trust me anymore. I know. That, that's my business. I'm working on them, but I want to use you. Come on. You say, I don't believe it. Peter denied the Lord three times publicly. And within just a few days, he's looking at Jesus and Jesus is saying, Boy, get out there and feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Get, remember, you don't have what it takes, but me and you can. Me in you can. Now get out there and do what I called you to do. And you know what Peter did? Off he went for God's glory. And, and, and would it be fair to say God used him in a pretty powerful way and denied even knowing the Lord? So Christian, I know you've blown it where you at I know somebody's blown it and it's spewed all over you where you at in that forgiveness realm not saying it's okay not saying it goes back to the way it was but at least getting on the same page with what God has said and done I know it's a lot to think about so I'm just going to leave it to you to chew on it But then what God says, just do that. Amen? Let's stand together. We've had a good day. It's raining outside, and don't nobody want to walk out in that know-how. I want you to know we love you. I mean, really. We really do love you. And uh, we're glad you're here. If, if you're part of us or you're thinking about being part of us, look, we, 
we're just so excited about what God's bringing to the table in your life. And, and we know that it's checkered. So is mine. But by God's grace, we can walk with confidence and courage and boldness. So step into that. And let's do that together. Do business with God. What he says do. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for restoration that is ours because of Christ's work. We thank you that Jesus died for our sins. God, that he, in his death, has paid for our, for our transgressions, all of them. God, I'm thankful that in the resurrection, he not only provides new life for eternity, but he provides new breath for today and restoration from what we break and blow and, and just make a royal mess out of stuff. God, I'm so thankful that the death and resurrection of Jesus provides for you to pick us up, dust us off, and push us forward. I pray that that reality will be true because we've responded obediently. You know the need. You know the hurts. You know the sin that needs to be addressed, and I pray that you'll do that. God, help these folks, and even the folks watching online, to know they can call on us. They can ask for our help. Let, let us be part of the ones that walk with you. We want to be that, because that's what you've called us to be, and we know what glory you can bring about because of it. Now, God, we ask that you'll use us this week prepares for what's ahead. We're thankful you know it and that we can trust you to lead us into it. We look forward to all that's in store. We love you. We trust you. For it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our King returning. And all the voices church said, 